Lesson from the Prophecy of Jeremiah In those days the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah, who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord, this is the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly execute justice with one another, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, and the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and served them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, and would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Then when it was day, he departed and went to a lonely place. And the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. The saving words of the gospel. Today we continue our spiritual pilgrimage, gathering at the Church of St. Mark, where we were the other day, at the feet of the, of the Capitoline Hill. And then we make our way probably over the edge of the Capitoline, and the, there's a cleft there between the two and of peaks that it has, and uh, past where the Temple of Jupiter was, and the Temple of Juno, and all that business, and then down to the level ground again in the Via Sacra, and then taking the Via Sacra over towards where Cosmos and Damien is, the great basilica of Cosmos and Damien, named after a pair of twins. Uh, the Romans like their twins. Uh, Rome, Rome was founded by twins, Romulus and Remus, and there's a temple to them right across the way. And they were on the Palatine Hill, which is right on the other side of the Roman Forum. And on the other side of the Roman Forum also there's a temple to another pair of twins, uh, Castor and Pollux. So the Romans like their twins. So it's probably not any, not by just coincidence that they put a, put a church dedicated to two twins, Cosmos and Damien, uh, right there at the Roman Forum. And they were physicians. And that's no doubt why we have the reading today about the Lord healing uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And there are a couple of interesting points about this. Notice that she has a fever, and he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And then a little bit on, it says that the people who were brought to him who were sick, he laid hands on them and healed them. And when he healed them, demons came out of them. 
Well, this all sounds very personal, doesn't it? As if the fever were a personal being whom one would rebuke. You know, you don't rebuke a, uh, like what? A, you don't rebuke a, a broken finger. But here he rebukes a fever and it leaves her. And he rebukes demons and they come out of the people who are ill. So there's obviously a connection between uh, evil angelic activity and physical illness in this case. And we see this all through the Gospels when the Lord heals. Now it just so happens that today also, um, the 24th of March, is the feast of St. Gabriel the Archangel. In the traditional calendar, the three named angels, Raphael, Gabriel, and Michael, have their own feast days. In the new calendar, they combine them all into one date, on the, which was occupied by Michael alone, the apparition of, uh, of St. Michael at Monte Gargano. And they combine them all together in one date on the 29th of September. But today, it seems fitting that we have the Feast of the Archangel Gabriel, because tomorrow is the Feast of the Annunciation. And we know that it was Gabriel who was the angel of the Annunciation. And so we honor this angel uh, in anticipation of the Lord's taking our humanity into an indestructible bond with our divinity because of the fiat, because of the yes of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So we have um, this beautiful reminder today about the activity of angels in our lives, not just um, not just extraordinary uh, activity of angels in the Annunciation to the Blessed Virgin about the Incarnation of the Lord, which is certainly an extraordinary intervention, but also the ordinary interventions. The things that angels do for us all the time, and you know, for example, the great writers like the like Thomas Aquinas uh, talk about how angels are very active around us all the time. That, as a matter of fact, they posit that there is an angel assigned to everything that moves, and of course, you can imagine. Well, no, actually, we can't. I certainly can't imagine how many things move in the cosmos, because even though Thomas Aquinas didn't know about them, there are subatomic particles that move. And they move very fast. Uh, it wouldn't be fast at all for an angel, but the angels, if, if there is an angel assigning, assigned to everything that moves, then um, there are a lot of angels. And that is something also that spiritual writers wrote about. There are terrific number of angels. We can't really fathom their number. And every one of them is different from the other. Because they are not individuated in matter, each angel is its own species, as different from each other as a giraffe is from a platypus, just to try to give an idea of a contrast. And so there are the extraordinary activities of angels, the ordinary activity of angels in our lives that they will um, guard us from attacks of the enemy, who are also angels. They will prompt us to do good things, 
and they will protect us from certain um, things that, that could harm us. And then, of course, there's the other activity of angels in our lives, and I just mentioned that, it's the fallen angels. If a third of the angels fell, well, that's a lot of, that's a lot of angels. And though they are restrained by God, they're still nevertheless active, but in a negative sense in our lives. They too can prompt us and so forth. They can't control our wills, but they can tickle our memories, and they can put things in our way so that we'll stumble, and they know us very well because angels, of course, they never sleep, and they never forget anything. So they've seen everything having to do with us for our entire lives. And if you can imagine, for example, if, um, say there's a serial killer out there, though they get the FBI on it, and the FBI has special, specially trained agents called profilers, and they collect all of the possible information that they can, and they start looking at it and comparing it to other cases and other, other criminals that they've known, and they try to develop a profile so they know what sort of person they're probably looking for. Well, an angel sees everything that we've ever done, and they can't really read our thoughts terribly easily. They can to, to a certain degree, but um, they uh, never forget anything. You know, imagine what kind of profile they can develop of us, and therefore they would know how to how to hit us, um, and how to how to expose us to you know, various temptations and so forth. So in, in any event, there are the different kinds of activities of angels in our life, extraordinary, ordinary, and then those which are uh, ordinary for the evil ones, and also kind of extraordinary for evil ones too, involving oppression and possession and that kind of thing. But uh, today we have, um, we have a, a solid affirmation uh, the demons who came out of those whom Christ healed shouted, screamed, You are the Son of God. And with that in mind, we never have anything really, truly to fear from the fallen angels and what um, the party tricks that they can perform, which on you know, merely earthly eyes can maybe look you know, pretty prodigious, but are really just kind of party tricks to distract us. No, we have on our side the Son of God. We are baptized into him. And the way that it was made possible for us to belong to his mystical body is for him to have a body. And that is what we celebrate tomorrow, the Feast of the Annunciation. The angel Gabriel, whom we celebrate today, went to the Blessed Virgin Mary. She said yes. And thus at that moment, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, God from God, light from light, took our humanity into an indestructible bond with his divinity. Such a mighty bond that even now our humanity sits at the right hand of God. Yeah. Romulus Obisum.
Oremos. Se abulavano in medio tribulazioni, svidificavi suoi domini, e super iram in inicor meor me extendis lanam tuam, et salvo me facet dexter tua.